We're going to talk today about uh, real estate. I'll focus uh, for the first 15 minutes on the, 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 the real estate market in the areas where we live, you know, southeastern Tennessee, northeastern Tennessee and southwestern Virginia. Uh, the, the real estate market is down a little bit, uh, but the, the people that I've talked to report, the people in the real estate business report that sales are up. Uh, Don Finley has an article in the Kingsport Online News that uh, Kingsport Times Online talking about uh, the trends for this area and the Northeast Tennessee Real Estate Association. Uh, Kingsport has had a good uh, spring. Uh, I, I, it's, it's hard to tell. With statistics this spring, you may have seen some stuff, even the National Bureau of Labor Statistics, where they uh, really weird, quirky things have been happening to the unemployment rate and the number of people uh, that are supposedly looking for jobs and finding jobs. And so there have been some weird things going on with the numbers, primarily because we, we didn't have much of a winter this year. And so uh, the, the uh, normally people, when the weather warms up, people want to get out and look around, and that's the time when they start thinking about uh, buying a house. Uh, many of the people also tend to rent uh, in the summer and fall, from summer to summer, or from uh, from fall to, to to spring, and so their their leases expire uh, during the spring and summer months. And it's a time when they would naturally, uh, before that happens, the people that are interested in buying a home would start looking. People that already own a home uh, are now. Uh, it's it, what happened. What has happened. When during the height of the crisis was that many people who may, for example, wanted to move to a bigger home, maybe they had kids or they had a parent that they were wanting to move in with them, or they just for whatever reason they, their status in life improved and they wanted to move to a, a, a bigger home or a better home, many people couldn't do that because they couldn't sell their existing home because they didn't have enough equity because the, the prices have been coming down and if, they, if you bought 2006, 2007, 2008, it would be really hard to sell your house uh, up, you know, at the, during the after the the bus came because you couldn't get the you you really couldn't sell your house because you couldn't even get your your money out of it even if you weren't really underwater and there weren't a lot of people really underwater here in this area like there are in in other parts of the country where there's been a huge drop. In, in prices, even if you're not really underwater, you need some equity out of your first home in order to move into your second home typically. And so people that if you can't sell your first home, it's been hard. I know a number of people just in my neighborhood that have been able to, that have been wanting to sell their home and have been able to, have been able to, uh, at least five different families in, in my little neighborhood have been able to sell their homes and move on to bigger and better homes. And, and some of them are my favorite neighbors. And I'm really, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm heartbroken that they're leaving. I, was, I would get to know people and you trust them and, and get along with them. And uh, then they, they up and leave on you. And I'm, I'm not picking on anybody in particular, but for different reasons, people want to leave. Uh, they want to have kids or they want to have more pets or whatever it is that they feel like they need to move into a bigger home for. So the, the, the trend in the, in the Kingsport area particularly has been, uh, has been very good. Uh, the the rest of the region uh, sales have been down a little bit slightly year over year. Prices have gone down slightly year over year. Uh, it is also a, a, and that's true in in Abington, Johnson City, and uh, and also the the Netar you know the Kingsport region. Uh, 
Rogersville and those areas, the, 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 over the whole area, the, the sales and prices are going down. Uh, Zillow says that, that things have gotten slightly worse, but they, uh, most of the people that are actually in the real estate business, they say they've been very busy. Now, I do have an informant, uh, Brad Workman, who is a real estate agent who sold me my home and who I'm, I'm very fond of. He did a, a really good job. Anybody that uh, was able to, uh, to make my wife happy and should find the home that would make her happy uh, deserves his commission. And uh, so he has told me that they've been really busy. Now, Brad is the one of the people that handles a lot of uh, foreclosures. You can go on his website if you Google his name, Brad Workman, Johnson City Real Estate. Uh, I don't have his website in front of me. Sorry, I probably should have made a note of that. But uh, if you Google his name and, and real estate in Johnson City, it'll come up. And he's told me he's been really busy. Demand has been really good. Uh, there's a lot of people that are out looking at homes. Uh, typically in the early phases of an upswing in the economy, that's the best time to buy homes. And the interest rates are at historical lows. Uh, the cost of renting a house has gone up in many markets. And that usually you have a certain ratio between what people pay for homes or what they could rent a home for in terms of uh, annual the annual cost to rent a home. And when that the ratios during big boom times uh, swing way in favor of uh, it being much better deal for people to rent homes at the height of markets. And then uh, what happens is, is that home prices depreciate and, and then rents go up because more people are out there renting, fewer people want to buy homes, and more people think it's smarter to rent. And so more people are looking for uh, accommodations to rent, and then the rent prices go up. And, uh, and, and relative to uh, home prices, and we're now at one of those periods when it's historically, not in major markets, but particularly in minor markets, in areas like where we live in, uh, where you have you know, standard metropolitan statistical areas of several hundred thousand people, like our area, Knoxville, some of the other smaller, uh, smaller metropolitan areas, as opposed to being rural areas or as opposed to being urban areas. The Case-Shiller, which is what everybody talks about, and that's the National Home Index, and that's the one you'll see on Bloomberg and CNBC every time it comes out. And the case shiller has gone down. The people that uh, are looking at the case shiller are, are expecting uh, home prices to depreciate as much as 10% this year. Uh, that seems like a high figure to me. I, I personally don't believe it's going to be that way. I certainly don't believe that's going to be the case here in the Tri-Cities area. The Tri-Cities area, if you look at, if you uh, Google Zillow, Johnson City, Kingsport, real estate statistics, and look at the Zillow index there, you can look at a, a, on the other page. I've got a 10-year chart that I've been looking at, and you can see that the peak happened here much later than the Case-Shiller report. Case-Shiller report peak peak prices in 2006. It's very clear to us our peak prices were 2007, the end of 2007, uh, early 2008, and uh, stayed up pretty good until it just collapsed uh, in 2009 and 2010. And, and so the home prices here have gone down. Uh, foreclosures are still coming on. I've talked to some people that have, you know, been that work in foreclosures. Brad Workman works in foreclosures. The foreclosures are still coming online. Uh, people are still being foreclosed on. Uh, particularly in our area, it seems to be that there's a lot of HUD foreclosures. 
uh, more so than bank foreclosures. As I've talked about in earlier things, as I've talked about in earlier sessions, uh, it, our, in our area in Tennessee, we do not have the, the robo-signing problems. We do not have judicial foreclosure. So a lot of the huge problems that are happening in some of the other states because of the judicial foreclosure mess, the robo-signing mess, where servicers and banks and other things delayed their foreclosures last year, and they just let them sit until they signed the deal with the attorneys general a few months ago, that kind of stuff hasn't happened here in Tennessee. In Tennessee, foreclosure takes place outside the judicial process. There's a clause whenever you buy a home, say it's a like that if you miss payments, that your you know your payments are due at a certain date. You miss a certain number of payments, they can start the foreclosure proceedings. It doesn't take two years to foreclose in Tennessee, and so we don't have. Uh, there's not as many issues in this area with foreclosures. That doesn't mean necessarily that there aren't, because of the unemployment problems, that there aren't individuals that are having trouble with foreclosures. It's just that we're not going to have a massive wave of foreclosures. Nevertheless, even the article by uh, Finley makes a big point, several of the people talked there, that if you take non-distressed home sales in our area, sales of non-distressed homes, in other words, homes that are in good shape, homes that uh, were not abandoned, were not foreclosed on, or that the, that the previous owners did not just give up on and, and, and let it go and not do maintenance and just kind of let things go to pot. If you take non-distressed home sales, they're up pretty high, and the median home value of those is up 12% uh, in the Netar region, and that's, pretty, that's a pretty good deal. But the foreclosures are weighing on that. If you put the foreclosures in, uh, you put the foreclosures in and you average all of that out, it, the uh, home prices are still falling. And still year over year for the region, we have falling home prices and things like that. Uh, if you have questions, type it on the, uh, the thing there. If you, we've, we've developed a system. If you want us to recognize who you are and asking the questions, type two asterisks uh, before you... Uh, before you ask the question, if you're a, a professional and you want to be recognized, free advertising or whatever you want to call it, want to be recognized, I would log in under your real name and then type two asterisks uh, before your comment, and uh, we'll make sure and and uh, and and make a note of that. Uh, in the business of real estate, it's so local, and even when you talk about local, neighborhood by neighborhood things can be very different. Uh, some neighborhoods in this, uh, in Johnson City, is one neighborhood I know of in Johnson City, they're building a lot of homes. I've driven by it every day and they're, they're three, four, five homes going up. They've got signs and, you know, it's a H, one of those HOA communities where they have a pool for the community and stuff like that. And they, they, the sign says, you know, you don't have to mow and things like that. And, the, and, and there seem to be building. Now, I've also talked to, in the week before I did this, some people that work in the construction business, uh, people that do gutters and roofs and things like that, and they say that the new home business is still way off. They're not getting a lot of calls to do new home business. There's not a lot. Their you know repair work is going on pretty steady. Uh, for those people, very few business people will admit that business is very poor, but uh, they. You know, it's just a, a habit that they have of never admitting a business board, but they have told me that, that new home construction and new home business is, 
is still not very good. Uh, sales of existing homes are doing pretty good, but and there are some people building. Uh, my real estate contacts have told me that uh, almost all of the homes they see being built are being built under contract, and which means that somebody buys a lot, they want to get a home built, they go to a builder, they have the money in hand, uh, they're ready to build. Uh, when the real estate market gets really hot, a lot of builders will go out and build what are called spec homes, meaning that they're building the homes and then they're going to go in later and try to sell that. Uh, and, 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 and try to sell that. I have a question uh, that ask about, you know, contractors and fixing your home up and, and doing things around your house and how much that will improve uh, the value of a home when you want to sell it. <clears throat> so the, the answer to that question is, is not simple. For example, uh, going in and putting in a $12,000 pool. You go in and put in a $12,000, $15,000 pool. Once that pool is a year or two old, if you want to sell your home and you bring in a, 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 an appraiser, and that appraiser goes around and uh, they look at it and look at the house and the square footage and all that, you, you know, you may be lucky if they put in $1,200, $1,500 for your pool in terms of how much they increase the value for their appraisal. The fact that you spent $10,000 to build the pool doesn't really impact them very much. It's how much that potential adds to sales. Now, in, in our area, of course, you can only use a pool about three months out of the year. It's, a, it's a, not a really a good investment. Now, if you have something that is dis, it, it looks bad, for example, you have a drywall that you had water dripping on, or you have uh, some lines or something that doesn't look very good, and you can go in for a couple hundred dollars and patch it up and make it look nice, that definitely will give you a good return on investment. A lot of times, if people, if you do things just because you want to, and I know, I know that it, this is a common complaint among males that you know, their wife wants to move the furniture around, uh, they want to take the blinds down and put new blinds up. You take blinds down that were perfectly fine and you go in and you put new blinds up, that's maybe not going to, you're definitely, you're not going to get the money back for things like that. Uh, if you go in and you have a perfectly good bathroom, but then you remodel it so that it looks different, uh, you, that may not improve the value. Now, uh, it's in the Home and Garden Channel, they've got a lot of shows where, or particularly at the height of the market, where people would go in and buy homes that, that needed fixing up, and they would go in and they would fix everything up, and they would make it look a lot nicer, and they would sell it for quite a bit more than they, uh, than they paid for it. And I guess people uh, got away with that in some cases, but the, I think one of the things is if, if you can put sweat equity into your repair, you know, if you do the repair work yourself and you do a good job at it, I'm not recommending everybody do their own repairs. You do a good job at it. Uh, you know what you're doing and you have a pretty, you know, you're pretty smart about the way you do your home improvement and the things you do around your house. If you're, if you can, if you're that type of person, you, you probably will recoup your investment and make money on it. But if you're just going into your house and saying, you know, I'm tired of, I'm tired of these purple things that are sticking up around the room. We have these purple things in the room y'all can't see to buffer the sound. If I get tired of those and I put up, tear them down and I, I put blue cloth over them instead of purple and stick those back up, it probably you're not going to get your, your uh, in, investment back in that kind of thing. And I, I know if, if you do things just because you want to, generally you, you, you don't think of that as an investment.
If it's something that you need to do or have to do for your home, I mean, it looks bad and it can be fixed for a couple hundred dollars. People come in, they, uh, most people when they come in to see a house, they're not thinking of the house as an investment or they're thinking of a house as a place to live. Uh, they, you know, not everybody is handy with tools. They don't want to get up and fix things and do things around their house. They want to come in and live in their house and be comfortable from the first day. And the real estate agents talk about curb appeal, how important it is for, you know, the, the, everything to be painted, to look nice. So by all means, if you've got scratch marks on the wall or you've got holes in the wall, putty them up, paint over them, do that kind of thing. But, but major repairs where you remodel, you tear out uh, one type of cabinet because you don't like it and you put in a different type of cabinet, remodel your kitchen and things like that, you're probably not going to get the value out of that. You're doing that because you want to. Uh, other questions, type them in. Put two asterisks in uh, before your question if you want me to recognize you uh, in, in, asking the, in asking the questions. I'm going to go ahead and move on now uh, and talk about more national trends. Uh, in the real estate in the real estate business, Case Shiller, which reports on the top 20 markets, is still going down. Uh, surprisingly negative. Uh, they they keep the Case Shiller index keeps surprising economists with its uh, pessimistic findings. It still is the best thing. Uh, it still is the best index in terms of statistical properties. The Zillow index, what they do, now the, the nice thing about Zillow is that you can look at the Zillow for Johnson City in our area and uh, for smaller areas. And the Case Shiller only report, reports on 20 urban markets. And the urban markets don't have much to do with, with everybody else. I mean, the, the, uh, there's not a, a lot of close relationship uh, with that kind of, you know, with, with the urban markets. But the Zillow index looks at what a home would hypothetically sell for and they use some proprietary statistical analyses to try to figure out how to do it. They look at, 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 in theory, if each home in the area is sold, and then they aggregate that and divide by the number, and they get a kind of average value for the area, and they look at average values going down and going up. And it's definitely better than just looking at median home values. Uh, for many years, you know, there would be a report to me that it's because it's an easily extractable statistic from the, the local boards of realtors, which aggregate their statistics across the, across the country. It's an easily extractable statistic that they can use to try to determine the average value of a home. And they can even go section, like you can have a section of Johnson City, and they can say, and they'll be reporting in the newspaper, the northeast part of Johnson City, the median home value went up 10%. The problem with median home values is that if people build more bigger homes, or more of the bigger homes are sold versus the smaller homes, that skews the index upward. It doesn't really indicate, you know, if you buy a house for $100,000, is the value of that going to go up or going to go down? The median home value doesn't really have that much to do with that. So Zillow's uh, method is a little bit better, uh, is a little bit better than that, is, is a little bit better in terms of uh, uh, the than just looking at the median home value that the, the boards of realtors put out. But at the same time, they, you know, some of their, their, their methodology is proprietary. They won't reveal it. If I had to guess, if and, and I'm just guessing, I have no inside knowledge. I don't want to be sued by the Zillow people, but they probably take in the listing prices of homes. And, and if I was going to do it, and I was going to do it the simplest, easiest way, I would look at kind of area by area, the difference between what the home's listed for and what they sold for. 
And then I would take the listing of all the homes that are for sale, and then I would just divide by some or multiply that, say, if, if the average home sold for 85% of what it was listed for, I would just multiply by 0.85. And so if you had a $200,000 home, you multiply by 0.85, well, then you figure that that home, in theory, would probably sell for 170000 if it was listed for 200000 But even then, people list homes that they can't possibly sell. You see homes listed that people really are, it's crazy. There's no way that they're interested in selling or can possibly sell it. Uh, there was a guy that was selling a lot. I was looking at a lot in Florida, and, and I called the real estate agent. He said, Don, this guy doesn't want to sell this lot. I said, well, what's he asking for it? He said, he's asking 300000 for it. And I said, well, yeah, but the lot right next to it sold for like 60000 uh, And he said, well, yes, but he paid 360000 for it. And he's still losing 60000 if he sells it. He's probably just getting out from underneath whatever money he borrowed if he sells it at $300,000. And, of course, there's no way you're going to, you know, when lot next door is selling. And uh, in areas where you had the big, huge run-up in prices, what has really come down in value, the, the Home-Shiller Index measures what's happened in home values, but the, the, the price of raw land, of dirt, has really gone down in many, many areas, uh, particularly the areas that are hard hit. I know I'm from Florida, my, my daughters, my mother, a brother live in Florida, and uh, the, the price of dirt, the price that a uh, contractor would pay for a, a, a lot to build on or a family would buy a lot for, or open land that's uh, potentially, can, potentially can be cut up and turned into a subdivision, the price of that has gone down so far uh, it, it way, way more than the, uh, than the price of homes have gone down because in homes you still have a construction cost. I mean, it's still going to cost uh, retail 80 to to $100 a square foot or more uh, to build a house, depending on the type of house you build. For a one-story house, it's going to cost 80 to to $100, uh, $100 a square foot to build a home. And so it's, uh, you still have that. But the price of dirt is really collapsed, and it's really hard to sell a lot of uh, a lot of lots uh, that people bought are now being foreclosed on for taxes. In other words, the the people that are not paying the taxes on the land and they're being foreclosed on and they're they're losing their land, but just because they doesn't pay the the taxes. Now I have a a, a question about. I mean, I have somebody that's commented about uh, you know remodeling and how it helps you sell and things like that. Uh, and and I, I I guess if you're a banker. And you, if, if I was a banker and I had a mortgage and somebody was trying to sell, maybe it was a short sale, meaning that we were trying to negotiate and they were either going to be foreclosed on and we were going to lose a lot of money, they were going to lose everything. But if we could find somebody to buy it, we both escaped for a small loss, which is kind of the, uh, the, the, the best safe case scenario for, for both the home buyer. I would tell them to make every improvement possible also. I, I agree with the commenter. Uh, that, that asked this question, uh, make, you know, whatever improvements need to be made, made it. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you want to go in and buy, you know, a 2,000 square foot house and put $200,000 worth of renovations in it. I'm not saying that. But make improvements that don't cost much, make the place look better, absolutely. Uh, There's a question about downtown Johnson City. And uh, I, I, downtowns in general, uh, in small areas like this where everybody has a car, I don't know if we're ever going to have a really 
rejuvenated downtown. There's so much money. I think the, the federal government provides money, and there's a lot of grant money. And every city, everywhere in the country, and this is true of, you know, if you go to Rogersville, you go to Greenville, they want, you know, General Morgan Inn in uh, Greenville, and then Rogersville, they, you know, they want to have uh, a nightlife downtown. Uh, the only city that really has a really vibrant downtown nightlife type of situation is, uh, is Abington. Uh, and that the reason for that is that they have the barter theater and they, you know, people go there and eat dinner and go to the barter theater and go out and have drinks afterwards and that, uh, you know, do that kind of thing. We have some nice businesses that have moved in the German restaurant, the, the New York, I want to call it the New York pizza restaurant uh, that's downtown. There has been one uh, development uh, that is down there, uh, like a, where they have renovated a large building and created uh like luxury condos down there and, and, and everything. I, I, but at the same time, in order to have a downtown, uh, you have, uh, are we going to have a downtown in the sense of what big cities have, uh, where you have people who live downtown, they live in, in uh, high rises or condos or things like that downtown. They come out, they walk around, they walk to the grocery store, they go out and they go, you know, they're, they go to plays, they go to dinner, they go to uh, uh, nightclubs and, and bars and places like that at night, and everybody kind of walks around and walks to where they're going. Are we going to have, the, the, which is the way things are in many foreign countries. I mean, if you go, they have this type of development in many foreign countries where they have people living, people are willing to live in more concentrated areas. The big issue here is that this is such a wide and broad country and we become so addicted to our cars and we just don't have a, we don't have much of a transit system of people that, that want to live without cars and parking is always the big problem downtown. I mean, where, you know, you have to have two or three spaces. Many people need not just one space, not just two spaces, but three spaces uh, to park their cars in. And if you don't have any place to park your car uh, you drive and you drive your car, there's not enough transit. So I don't know if we'll ever have in Johnson City the type of downtown that we had back in the 40s and 50s when a lot of people lived right, you know, when uh, Roan Street, you know, North Roan Street was was out in the countryside, and everybody lived in a fairly concentrated area. There are a lot of the what we would you think of as you know like Lamont Street and that area where you have uh, people that live on five thousand square foot lots or ten thousand square foot lots, and, and you have a lot of concentration, and people can walk to where they want to go. I don't know if we'll ever have that. We might be able to have a downtown, and I know they're they're trying in Kingsport to do the same thing. I know the the uh, brew pubs and and a bakery. The uh, I can't remember the name of my favorite bakery now, uh, which uh, doesn't actually bake any bread, but they bake uh, pizzas. I want to say Crash Trash, Scratch Bakery. One of the the uh, my producer has reminded me. Scratch Bakery was trying to open a brew pub in uh, in Kingsport. Maybe you might get people to come downtown for some sort of entertainment or come downtown because they have nice restaurants. And that's about as much as you can hope for. If you're ever going to expect like downtown shopping, like a central business district shopping area, it's hard for me to imagine that occurring. We got all these big box stores that are empty. Uh, all of the retailing has moved to big box stores like Walmart and places like that. So I don't really see that happening. 
Are the, the, one of the questions is, the, are the buildings still old? And let me remind people, we're going to go off the air at 1245. So this is your last chance to get questions in. Are the buildings in downtown in our area, Bristol, Johnson City, Greenville, Rogersville, uh, Abington, are the downtown buildings too old? You know, many of the old buildings, honestly, are just as good as a new building. Uh, they built buildings really well. And some of the buildings that were built way back when are actually built much better than if we were to tear it down and build it back up again. Uh, but they don't look nice. You know, it's a matter of, it, uh, I think in a lot of cases, if uh, the business owners or if there was some incentive for them to, to pressure wash the bricks every year, uh, to repaint once in a while, uh, you know, there's a, if you watch movies, you see shows. I've never been to New York City. I've uh, been to some of the other big cities of the world, but not that one. Many people live in lofts. They live in downtown buildings that are kind of, they're old, and uh, they, you know, live in lofts and places like that. So I, I don't know that the bill, it's the matter of the buildings are too old. If we tore it down and build a bunch of new buildings, first of all, you know, what incentive would there be to build a bunch of new buildings, and we got all these empty buildings down there right now, we can't rent. It's not I don't necessarily see it being the case if somebody went in and built a brand new big 40-story building in downtown Johnson City, would they be able to rent out that space? I No, I don't think so. Uh, and if they did, it would be because they, they stole everybody's tenants from all the other buildings. Okay, it's getting close to 1245. Uh, we're going to cut off. I'll see everybody next Wednesday. I uh, hope you enjoyed the broadcast.